Hey there, and welcome back to a long-awaited episode of A Conversation for One Podcast, the podcast where we ramble on and discuss a variety of topics ranging from horror and sci-fi multimedia, film franchises and series, theme parks, Canadiana, and so much more. I was going to do a cool intro for the show, um, like a little stinger, but I figured most of you would tune out. <laughs> I'll probably still do it, but hard to say. Anyways, uh, because today, our Canadian conversation segment, we'll be talking about the Baltimore Stallions. I know. Don't know what those are, eh? I know. We're, we're going to talk about it. Uh, and uh, we're also going to talk about the CFL expansion teams of the 1990s. I know. Very exciting stuff. Uh, so just sit back and uh, get ready to learn some history about every everybody's favorite league, the CFL. It's a long, hard road in the Canadian Football League, and it's filled with obstacles. But they're more than physical. Finesse is also required to get to the ultimate prize. A date with glory in November. It was a legendary franchise steeped in history in one of football's most loyal markets. Tonight, after a decade of neglect by the NFL, football in Baltimore comes of age again, this time with the Canadian game. The name's on hold, but the uniforms and helmets are still intact. And tonight, Tracy Ham returns to the site of a brief demise. Befuddled in Toronto, but already in Baltimore, he's shown flashes of brilliance. Don Matthews runs the show with extensive CFL knowledge. The Argos, too, hope to rise from the ashes of last season. OB's attempting to put a new face on an old team, led by veteran quarterback Mike Kerrigan. Hot on Kerrigan's heels is Marvin Graves, the Argos quarterback of the future. On opening night, we present A Tale of Two Cities. It's a blazing hot summer night in Southern Ontario. There's the view from Skydome across Lake Ontario, and the roof and the building is open as we speak. And now we move inside where the Toronto Argonauts hope to begin reestablishing themselves tonight as the CFL's cornerstone franchise, and Baltimore hopes to do what no expansion team has ever really been able to do in year number one, and that is contend. There are some fans with politically incorrect apparel tonight, and we acknowledge from the outset that we're under a court injunction to resist all temptation to refer to Baltimore as spirited young horses of any kind and until the matter is straightened out in the American court system we'll try to comply but uh, forgive us if we slip up occasionally. A lot of significance attached to opening night for us. First of all, will Toronto begin marching back towards respectability? That's vital to the CFL success. And will Baltimore live up to advanced billing? There are many who believe expansion to be the CFL's best hope, and those people would be happy if Baltimore got off to a good start. Expansion brought three new American franchises into the Canadian Football League in the offseason. And so once again, the league has a whole new map. The soul of the CFL remains in Canada, where it's been for 125 years. But last year, the league launched a full frontal assault on American football fans. The attack was led by wealthy Sacramento businessman Fred Anderson. It took Anderson's gold miners a while, but they eventually caught on as the first wave of the invasion. 
This year, the charge continued. The CFL set up its first command post in Las Vegas, where a flamboyant owner, Nick Milletti, quickly signed a marquee player and brought a fleet-footed team to the Nevada desert. Baltimore brings to the CFL credibility in one of North America's most passionate football markets. The band has a reason to march again, the fans have their own team, and the city has a wealth of CFL experience and veteran players like Tracy Hamm. In the nation's capital, former NHL owner Bruce Firestone relieved Ottawa of the ongoing football circus and moved quickly to establish credibility, acquiring Adam Rita as coach and Danny Barrett as quarterback. In the American South, the Gliebermans have set up shop in Shreveport. It took them only a few weeks to discard their first coach and call for former Argo headman Forrest Gregg to take over. In Toronto, what had started with great promise when a high-profile trio bought the Argonauts ended sadly. In their place, Corporate Canada stepped up. Labatt, via its TSN and Blue Jay operations, has taken over the franchise, offering stability and marketing expertise. Now, all cards on the table, football was never really my sport. Um, I would begrudgingly watch it when I had to, and I knew enough to make small talk, but uh, my de facto team was always usually the Miami Dolphins um, or, uh, yeah, Minnesota Vikings. The most colorful teams look cool. I know, not, like, not the, definitely like a dork picking football teams, but uh, Miami Dolphins, uh, as that was the most popular team when I was growing up. Aside from Dallas, Dallas was a big one. They won both years, like 93 and 94, I guess, when I when I was born there. Um, and my family also went to Miami fairly often. But um, in regards to the CFL, though, my de facto team was and is currently the Argos. I mean, other, other than the Blue Jays, it was probably the one sporting event that I actually really loved to go to as a kid. Um, I didn't know... What was going on really i honestly didn't i didn't really learn the rules of football until like high school but i loved it um then like most canadians i i just i didn't <laughs> then I, I, yeah i just didn't give a fuck about the cfl anymore um like most canadians as i said they they really don't in fact there's always that mentality like there's only one league but in recent years two years to be specific i've really gotten into football um it's essentially the perfect sport to watch when you're an adult. You can have it on, you can zone out, you can go do laundry, get food, go to the bathroom. And more times than not, nothing crucial happened. And if it did, it'll be replayed continuously. Like countless times it'll be replayed throughout the game. So you're not really missing anything. And it's just, it's a lot of, it's it's steady noise to have on in the background if you're really not paying attention or the game is slow or something like that. But while many turn their focus to big, the big dog, the NFL, Many do disregard the original organized football league, which most of you probably didn't know was the CFL, which is the Canadian Football League. While technically only officially formed later than the NFL um, as a non-fully organized league, the CFL was ingrained in Canadian culture since the early 1900s, like um, 1910-ish, I guess, um, like in the 10s, the 1910s, becoming the fully formed league we all know later, um, around 1958. So what happened between 1993 and 1996, I hear you ask almost aggressively. Well, don't worry, I'm getting to that. As if Sunday's loss in the Grey Cup wasn't enough, Winnipeg MP Lloyd Axworthy is bracing for another, this one in the House of Commons. Axworthy has called for a law preventing the CFL from expanding into the U.S. And while he fully expects the bill will go nowhere, he is optimistic the ensuing debate will go somewhere. Um, I've seen some comments that they keep referring to they want to now live in the new era of free trade. 
well, I'd ask them to look what free trade's done to Canada. We've lost 400,000 jobs in the last two or three years. It's not a very easy thing to do, and I don't think, uh, as Cal Murphy has said, that the economics have improved yet, uh, but that's, that's what should come out. Does the government want to start getting involved in supporting the CFL? Or are they going to finance the CFL? Um, you know, there's lots of questions that need to be asked, and uh, I respect the, the, the uh, ability of people wanting to express their, their wishes and ways, and we live in a democratic country, and uh, people are free to do what they want. Uh, will it slow down our expansion plans? Uh, uh, no, uh, it won't. The CFL, as everyone knows, or as I said, the Canadian Football League, for those that hate abbreviations, you're welcome, is comprised of nine teams, soon to be ten, fingers crossed, that go coast to close, as in not quite, but close. Um, it's a Canadian league through and through. Uh, as it stands now, there's an East Division and a West Division. But in 1993, the league made a giant leap, just as the popularity for the league was still in its peak, which was the inclusion of the South Division, which, if you haven't put, put the pieces together, uh, meant the introduction of new American teams now in the CFL starting with Sacramento Gold Miners, which, which there were a total of about seven teams, five technically new American teams that were proposed um, before the eventual suspension of the South Division. Um, but we're getting ahead of ourselves here. So first and foremost, there were a couple big things that set this division apart from the Northern counterparts. One of them being that the teams did not actually have to have Canadian players on the team, like at all. So that's one of like usually the big stipulations to having one of the teams for the CFL is that I think it's like 60-40. 60% of your team has to be actual Canadian football players, which gives a lot of university players a place to go when if, when the, they eventually don't make it to the NFL. It's very few that actually go to the NFL. There are some good ones, and there are many that go, but it's not like Canadian football really holds a flame to American football in terms of uh, college sports in that regard. There were different salary caps for the teams, and these teams unfortunately also had to compete time-wise and fan-base-wise with the NFL in much in a much more direct way, really, because they play almost the similar time. It's not like now the XFL where it's spring football. It's the X the CFL starts only maybe like a month before um, the NFL goes, and because there's a smaller amount of teams, smaller amount of games. Uh, the teams that were launched consisted of, like I said, Sacramento Gold Miners. Sacramento Gold Miners, oh my goodness, um, as mentioned, like I said, who then became the San Antonio Texans. So that's where it'd be technically two teams, but it's still like the same team. Like one team basically overtook the other team, folded into one. Um, then there were the Las Vegas Posse, the first professional team in Las Vegas. That's something cool to note. Um, they had zero marketing and soon after folded and almost became the Miami Manatees, which would have been rad. As I said, I'm a Dolphins fan, so it would have been cool to have two teams to cheer for. Still a really cool fact. Um, so there were also the Memphis Mad Dogs, the Birmingham Barracudas, and the Shreveport Pirates. Uh, so there was one team, though, that stood out amongst them all, which is, of course, what we're talking about today, which is the Baltimore Stallions. As with the ninth team in Sacramento, number 10 in Las Vegas, and the 11th in Baltimore added just yesterday, the 12th team is also based in the United States in Shreveport, Louisiana. They'll be called the Shreveport Pirates. Commissioner Larry Smith's vision of a North American-wide CFL is a lot closer to completion following a whirlwind week. In fact, if this week's activities were made into a movie of the week, it might be called Mr. Smith Goes to Towns. Stop number two on Mr. Smith's tour found him in Baltimore, Maryland, home of the CFL's 11th franchise, the Baltimore Colts. Sound familiar? 
After nine long months of trying, Virginia businessman Jim Spiros finally secured a lease arrangement at Memorial Stadium and was awarded a CFL franchise Thursday. They were so confident about the bid that even before Baltimore had a franchise, they had a coach, Don Matthews, who left the Saskatchewan Rough Riders last month. The only problem still facing Spiros is the name, Colts. The NFL is claiming they still own the rights to the Colts name, but Spiros is not convinced. It would be the Baltimore Colts with a whole different logo, and I just want people to know here today that we're going to pursue the name, um, I want you to stay tuned, and I'm not going to be intimidated by the National Football League. And so, the Canadian Football League will be a lot less Canadian heading into the 94 season. Will the four new U.S.-based teams be the shot in the arm the CFL desperately needs? Stay tuned. For TSN Inside Sports, I'm Rod Smith. Uh, joining the league in 1994, the Stallions were easily the high point of the Rocky Southern expansion into the United States. Uh, originally wanting to be named the Colts, uh, they they put it in for Baltimore Corps. Baltimore Colts, uh, and it just didn't happen for them um, because Colts was still um, was still uh, a, a team name that was already locked in. Um, so the team searched for a new name for the first season. Um, as India Indianapolis held the rights now to the name, uh, so essentially uh, they went unnamed, but they still were known as the Colts to their fans. So it, when the team would like rush out onto the field. They'd be like, and give it up for your Baltimore. And then like the fans would scream like, oh, even though like they weren't, they couldn't be technically called that. So I think they were actually just called like uh, Baltimore. Uh, I think they were just called like Baltimore, like football team, Baltimore club, football club, or like, I don't even, or like Baltimore C's. Like, I don't think they actually had a name their first year. Um... But anyways, so they went unknown, and the Colts, they were technically called the Colts by their fans, and their fans, they had a shit ton of them. They had lots and lots of their fans, uh, and for good reason, too. So coming out of the gate strong, the Baltimore team was getting strong numbers in every way, like both numbers on the field, like stats, attendance, popularity, like they were huge. Um, one of the top teams in not just scoring and wins for the league, but as a whole, also like in attendance in general, like for all of the league having on average more than a combined two thirds of what their neighboring us teams are bringing in and on average in their first season alone, they had an average of 35,000 fans show up, which is crazy because like, that's, I, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure like Hamilton stadium now in Toronto stadium and maybe one other stadium can even hold 35,000. Like that would be a like, great cup number level of having attendance there. And like those fans were showing up no matter what. Um, so their very first season, um, just like right off the cuff here, like I don't think they went undefeated per se, but they actually in their very first season. So they only they only had two seasons. Some of these teams like Sacramento and eventually the Texan uh, Texans. They weren't called the Texans, were they? Yes, they were. So eventually um, the Gold Miners slash the Texans. They played for the full majority of the full majority the full time slot like the th the three seasons or the four seasons of the southern expansion the baltimore colts were only actually in the cfl for two seasons and in those two seasons in their very first season they made it to um wow they made it to the great cup which is for anybody that doesn't know that is like getting um the stanley cup for hockey or getting like winning the world series 
Um, it is that is like the the big win of the, the of the whole season. So in their first season, they went to the Grey Cup game. They made it a very like the American team was going against the BC Lions, British Columbia Lions, um, and it was a close game. They on I can't remember exactly what the score was, and honestly, I should have it in front of me right now, but for some reason I don't. They were winning the first half of the game. First two quarters, they were up. Third quarter, they, I think they were still up, but they started to lose it. And then by the fourth quarter, it was like a huge upset for Baltimore, like a huge win like for Canada as a whole, like to not lose their their pride to an American team. But they were, it, was, it was a close game. In fact, I'll put a link in the description for this, but there's a guy, it's CFL fan number three, I'm pretty sure. You can watch every goddamn single Grey Cup game from like 1940. I think it's probably not 40, but like 1955, let's just say it, it's probably somewhere around there from like black and white. Basically, you can watch every single one from black and white. I think it is 55 all the way to like 2019. This guy put every game in full and the best part. And I watched quite a few of these now. The best part is it's like straight from the TV. So it has like some of the older, like it has the older announcers, the older logos, the older like um, aesthetic, um, the film quality. Uh, it's, it's just beautiful. It's a little slice of life. I was like on a huge kick watching these for a while. Uh, I watched, poof, I don't know, easy a dozen great cup games in full. I went from like maybe watching two in my life to watching like a dozen in like uh, probably a month. Um, so they right out the gate, they like basically showed what they were made of. Like there were some good teams. I can't remember. Um, I don't think it was the Barracudas or the Pirates. I think it was the Texans, like the Sacramento Gold Miners and the Texans. Yeah, I think maybe it was Memphis. No, no, no. So it's either San Antonio or Shreveport. I remember, I think there was an S. This sounds like awful for having such a constructed, like basically mini script here. Um, but they were pretty good. They were probably like the second best team in the Southern Division, but nothing like stood up to the Baltimore Stallions. And in the second um, season of their, I guess, franchise, they again went to the Grey Cup. And that's where things like changed dramatically. When comparing a real estate agent to a football team, what are the few things you want? Putting out their best effort every time? Maybe. Not giving up until they secure the win? Sure. Regardless of what you're looking for, you'll find all of it and more when you go with Kayla Sutton Real Estate. Specializing in first-time home buyers, Kayla Sutton Real Estate strives to go above and beyond from start to finish so you can feel confident and at ease with your first home purchase. Right now, Kayla Sutton Real Estate has a promotion of $1,200 towards legal fees or free home inspection for anyone who purchases their first home within the next three months during the spring market. As well, a $300 referral fee for anyone who refers new clients to Kayla Sutton Real Estate. You can contact Kayla Sutton Real Estate at kaylasutton at kw.com. That's K-A-Y-L-A-S-U-T-T-O-N at kw.com or at 905-868-0821. That's 905-868-0821 for any of your first home buyer needs in both York Region and Simcoe County. Welcome now to the season's first edition of Live at the Half, Baltimore leading 18-7 through 30 minutes. In Baltimore, the horses with no name have sold 25,000 season tickets. They had almost 30,000 out for a preseason game last week, and they're hoping for a crowd in excess of 40,000 for next week's home opener at Memorial Stadium. Looks like the folks in Baltimore are embracing this game from the Great White North 10 years after rejection by the NFL. 
The NFL Baltimore Colts were one of the most storied of all professional football teams, winners of three world championships, led by some of the game's greatest names, like Don Shula. Colts fans were considered by many to be the most loyal in any sport, even in 1969 when Joe Namath delivered on his promise. In 1971, Jim O'Brien kicked the winning field goal for Baltimore in the Super Bowl. But the core of the Baltimore legend is quarterback Johnny Unitas, perhaps the first true superstar quarterback in the modern-day NFL. In the dark of a March night 10 years ago, the legends were reduced to ghosts. Owner Robert Ursay loaded up the moving vans and left for Indianapolis. It seemed inconceivable that Baltimore would be without its football team, but for 10 years, Memorial Stadium sat empty. When the NFL bypassed the city in its most recent expansion, Baltimore could wait no longer, and young businessman Jim Spiros landed a CFL expansion franchise. We're 102 years old. We're the oldest sports league in North America. We think we've got a lot of tradition that we can add to Baltimore, and of course, we really welcome Baltimore being part of our league. The Colts may have more CFL experience than some established CFL teams. Head coach Don Matthews was their first signing, and his first player signing was quarterback Tracy Hamm. 23 years ago, Johnny Unitas watched a winning field goal. Last week in a preseason game against Winnipeg, he saw another. The kick is up. It is yes! Baltimore wins! They kick it out! Yes! Yes! And here is Jim Spiros, the man who landed a CFL franchise for Baltimore five months ago. Jim, it's not fair to suggest, obviously, the CFL is going to make people in Baltimore forget the city's NFL history, but can this team be taken just as seriously as were the NFL Colts? Absolutely. Um, Baltimore's a football town, and they've embraced us in, in the last four and a half months that we've been there, and the whole town's excited about us being, being in town playing football. What is the status of your court battle to retain the name Colts? You were hoping for a positive decision this afternoon, I understand. Didn't get it. No, uh, we asked it for the injunction to be lifted. That didn't happen. So we'll be in court on August 3rd. And the venue, I feel, should be in the state of Maryland. But we're going to fight for the name because we feel the name the Baltimore CFL Colts belong in Baltimore. Has the court injunction, in a way, galvanized the fans? Well, you know, it's a slap in the face. I mean, uh, this, this town has been without football for 10 years. And uh, football's back. We don't feel the NFL uh, should be taking our name. Okay, Jim, thanks for your time. Uh, best of luck in the rest of this game and throughout the season. Thank you, Scott. Jim Spiro's Baltimore Colts lead Toronto 18-7 at halftime. Stay with us. Live at the half, we'll return to Skydome in Toronto on a glorious night in just a moment. Starting in the 1995 season, the Baltimore Stallions, now their official CFL name, had a 2-3 record, a 2-3 record, before going on to win every other game in the regular season. Uh, they essentially had the same final placing uh, team from the previous season, uh, with the exception of adding a new kicker. Weirdly, however, despite all their success from the 1994 and also the 1995 season, their attendance actually dropped uh, tremendously uh, for the 1995 season. The club that year only sold 9,000 season tickets, which... I know, for those that actually know current CFL numbers, that sounds like killer, like crazy numbers, but for mid to early 90s, which is still uh, technically at like the peak um, for the CFL league, that was ridiculously low. 
that year. Uh, three teams, though, in the New South Division actually played handsomely. Uh, Baltimore with 15 wins and only three losses. Next up, San Antonio Texans, which, as I said before, were originally the Sacramento Gold Miners. They finished the season with 12 wins and six losses. And then the Birmingham Barracudas, with a less impressive but still pretty good um, for CFL standards at least, uh, 10 wins and eight losses. Um, but as expected, the Stallions made it to the playoffs. Um, so starting in the South semifinal against Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Stallions played well. Like, they played really good, beating out which is now currently our 2019 champions at the score is 36-21. Uh, to 21. This uh, then moved them forward to play their American counterpart and basically their CFL rival, which I just said was the San Antonio Texans. Although a challenge and honestly a riveting game to watch. Like if you can find it, I highly, highly encourage you to check it out. Uh, the Stallions again, best at the team, uh, winning uh, with a score of 21 to 11. Uh, this brought the team to the Grey Cup Finals once again. So it's two years in a row, uh, which is pretty mar- remarkable when you think about it. Like how many, like how many brand new teams in, into a franchise have gone on to win the finals or not gone on to win, but have gone on to the finals of said leagues two years in a row? Not many, right? Like teams that come to mind for me would be like, uh, like Las Vegas Golden Knights, but they didn't do two. They just did their first year, which was crazy, but they didn't do two. And heck, the Blue Jays come to mind. But when you think about it, the Jays are actually a lot older than the 90s. Trust me, it's it's weird to think about. They actually started in 1977. Uh, but here they were. The Stallions were once again at the Great Cup, the 83rd Great Cup to be exact, facing off against, oddly enough, (laughs) the Calgary Stampeders, which is another team with a horse. Uh, The Stampeders were backed by then-legendary Doug Flutie, which him on his own could have his episode because he played on the now-defunct USFL. He played... Then he played for NFL for a bit. Then he came to CFL. Then he went back to NFL. Three different leagues, many different championships under his belt, played for numerous amounts of teams. Just Flutie's unreal. If you you have the time or you have the interest, go check him out. And overall, Calgary just had an all-star squad just an amazing team like good lord like what an exciting game to watch uh definitely check that one out if you can um i've watched this game about two times now myself from start to finish and it's absolutely some of the best football i've seen aside from maybe the 79th great cup which pitted the toronto argonauts against the calgary stampeders which not wanting to be anticlimactic but it seemed calgary is more often the bridesmaid and not the bride as they also (laughs) they couldn't take the win in either game that's right. The, the Baltimore Stallions end up winning in 1995, um, and they became the first and the only team to win the Pride of Canada, which is the Grey Cup, in the history of the league. Uh, winning with a score of 37-20, to 20, the Stallions had earned it, honestly, playing an almost perfect season. The Canadian Football League's top honor belongs to an American team tonight. The Baltimore Stallions beat the Calgary Stampeders. Here's Eric Sorensen on the big game. It looked a little like a pro-Canada rally, but not even the appearance of the Snowbirds could avert an historic first in the Canadian Football League. Try as fans might to influence the outcome. And I'm cheering for Calgary, and they're the Canadian team, so I want the North to win. Even the weather turned cold and windy today, something that should have been an advantage for the Canadian team. Because it's Canadian. If it was warm, it wouldn't be Canadian football. I think this makes it totally Canadian. It's great. The, first the game itself was exciting. The entire Grey Cup week has been a success in Regina. To the end zone. I can't believe a city like Regina, a small city like Regina, could put on a show like this. It has been fantastic. 
This has been a great week for the CFL, but one good week doesn't solve the many problems facing the league. Virtually every team is losing money, and the CFL is teetering between the American teams dominating the league or deserting the league. Even as the Americans are taking the Grey Cup away, it's unclear whether the American cities will remain in the league. They could tell you everything's fine, but each one of them's got a different vision of the future of the league. I don't think they've got a coherent vision for the future of the league right now, whether it's all Canadian or half Canadian, half American. Depends who you talk to and depends what day you talk to them. But most fans are only thinking about tonight's historic game, an American team winning the Grey Cup. The Grey Cup that came... What does it mean to see this cup go south to you? I think it sucks. I mean, it won't ruin my life or anything. But... Oh, if they're going to participate in the league, they should be entitled to all the benefits of it. From Baltimore fans, only elation. Feel guilty at all taking the taking the cup out of Canada? No! One number one, great cup, first time ever. For now, Canadian fans will have to get used to the idea that the Grey Cup is no longer in Canadian hands. Eric Sorensen, CBC News, Regina. Um, but that that honestly, that's the last time the sun would be shining on the Stallions. Unfortunately, uh, to start the Baltimore. Uh, to start, Baltimore simply just didn't care about the team overnight. Just done. They were done with them after that first season. And again, the CFL was a lot bigger than it is now. I know it's hard to imagine, but between like the 70s into the, the late 70s into the early 90s, the CFL was huge. Like it was even broadcast on some American stations in the northern states. Um, but they win the championship and not one Baltimore TV station covered the coveted Grey Cup game. Not one. And evidently, there was only 200 Baltimore fans that had actually showed up to the Grey Cup game. That's crazy. That's really bad. Like, that's something like Toronto would do now for a Grey Cup game. But like back then, it was unheard of. Like, a Grey Cup game would have every single team fan there, no matter who was playing and where it was. And the saddest part, I think, being um, from what I've read, the city of Baltimore did not have any parade. No, nothing, no celebration for the team, essentially abandoning the men that did so much for the city. Um, and for me, I don't know why I instantly, for some reason, equate that to like non-veterans, but I know it has, it's not even remotely similar in weight, but that's just how I, I think of it. But I digress. To make matters worse, though, as it turned out, the 83rd Grey Cup would be the last game the Stallions would ever actually play. Um, a week before the Grey Cup, the Cleveland Browns from the NFL announced that they were going to be moving to Baltimore. Uh, Art Model, model, modal, model, uh, who had purchased the Browns in 1961, so not like super recently, but he he had owned the team. Announced that he was planning to move the team to Baltimore, thereby giving NFL an NFL team back to Baltimore. Um, but after threats of legal action from the city of Cleveland and from the fans, uh, a compromise was reached in early 1996 that allowed Model to. Uh, establish, I guess, Baltimore Ravens um, as the new franchise while retaining contracts of all the Browns personnel. So that means instead of moving the team, the NFL said, you know what, we're not going to let you move the team, but how about we let you just have a new team, which was crazy. It doesn't, it would never happen now, but it happened then. So the Browns actually got to stay and then Baltimore Ravens became a new team. Um, Stallions owner Jim Sparrow balked the prospect of competing with an NFL team and opted to move elsewhere. Um, but despite winning multiple awards and overall being the current Grey Cup champions, none of this gave them any pull with their home city or their fans. And sadly, after trying to make deals with Norfolk, Virginia, and Houston to move the team there, uh, once those, those potential deals fell through, uh, Sparrow's moved the Stallions to Montreal. 
um, and revive the old Alouettes name from for the 1996 season. The Alouettes had actually folded in this time. Uh, Montreal was not a team. I think they had folded sometime in the early 90s, early 80s. Um, and that franchise was from um, the 40s, I believe, to that time period. So they had actually folded and Montreal was not a team. Um, so he then moved Baltimore's team and it was cut and dry. He moved Baltimore's team and all of their staff more or less to Montreal to revive them. Uh, which was sadly the only real call he could make. Um, the team had apparently been 800000 in debt, which is a crazy number. It's not that much now, but especially for a CFL team, it really adds up. And the fans, for obvious reasons, as I mentioned, uh, were more excited once again to have an NFL team to cheer for than they were to cheer for a CFL team. And that makes sense to a lot of people. Uh, as well, it had become apparent at this time that the CFL in general was just giving up its attempt to gain a foothold in the United States. As a result, 1995 was not only the official uh, last season for the Stallions in their history, but it, it marked the end of the South Division slash the U.S. expansion within the CFL. Um, so the Stallions became one of only two Grey Cup champions in the modern era to fold, uh, which is truly a tragic end to what could have been something magical, I believe, if handled better and promoted stronger. Like, I feel at least. Um, it's really interesting. Like, you can see... Um, I'm pretty sure it's Tory, actually, John Tory, current mayor of Toronto, who was working for CFL at the time. There is a press meeting where they announce uh, that they are ending the U.S. Um, division, the South division. At the same time, they're announcing they are going to work harder and stronger to promote CFL as a stronger brand. And also that they're reviving the Montreal Alouettes, keeping it, again, as I said, coast to close, um, just making it a little more uh, divided. Jim, and thank you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, for your attendance today. Uh, today was a, a productive uh, and, and yet very difficult day for the CFL, always interesting because uh, days in the CFL always are. Uh, it was productive in that we examined in detail the proposed move of the Baltimore Stallions to Montreal. And that, exa that examination today allows me to make a very happy and historic announcement in the life of the CFL, namely that after nine years' absence, a Canadian professional football will once again be played in Montreal starting in 1996. In conveying this happy news to Canadian football fans across the country, uh, we are grateful for the assistance and encouragement we've received from a number of corporations and organizations, including in particular the City of Montreal, the Province of Quebec, the Expos organization, and many others. I would also like to single out for special commendation the Commissioner of the Canadian Football League, Larry Smith. Were it not for the tireless efforts he has made over the past four years, there might not have been an opportunity to return Canadian professional football to Montreal. This was a dream that Larry Smith had, I believe, from his first day as commissioner, and now, now that dream is about to be realized. Quality team the, towards the, uh, the CFL, if you've got a winner, they'll love you in Montreal, but does that include the, the CFL? Let's go back live now to Edmonton, CFL Chairman John Torrey. In 1996, we have put our uh, expansion activity in the United States on hold for at least one year. We will only enter the United States again when we have done a lot more homework secured American marketing and media partners and identified franchise locations that we have carefully selected as opposed to those which seemed at times to materialize on their own. There are three things that I would like to say on behalf of the Board of Governors concerning our first experience with American expansion. First, we acknowledge we made lots of mistakes. Nothing ventured, nothing gained, and in this case we gained all of the lessons and the experience that come with our failures and with our successes in the United States. It's 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 really it's something. If you think about it, it was only it only ran from 1993 to 1995. It's three seasons. It's not very long, um, and yeah. So that's that's the story of our 
the only time the Grey Cup was won by Baltimore Stallions, which proved to be just an absolute powerhouse of a team. Um, even if you run the stats now and you look over all the best teams of CFL, they still have some of the strongest numbers, which is just absolutely crazy to me. But, you know, a lot of that can be attributed to um, coming out strong, um, not not re- relying on Canadian players. I'm not saying Canadian players are bad, but they got to pick from all the best high school and university um I guess, team players that didn't get make the cut to NFL, which is a lot like what XFL is now and uh, made for a really strong team. Um, and yeah, that's, that's all I have to say really about that. That is the short and condensed tale of the Baltimore Stallions and of the U S expansion into the CFL. So I hope you enjoyed this segment of a Canadian conversation from a conversation for one podcast. I know football doesn't really fit the mold, but it is Canada. So in that sense, it works. Uh, but if you guys dig this, let me know, because I definitely have one or two uh, more CFL ideas that I'd be interested in uh, in sharing. I'm sure even to our international listeners, it would be riveting. But other than that, this concludes our episode for today. Now, as you know, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at ACFO Podcast. That's ACFO Podcast. Uh, and you can also find me on Patreon and Facebook. Um, I'm thinking about starting up some new Patreon episodes. I had a couple half-baked, but we're thinking I'm going to do a conversation for none because I can't see anybody listening to them. But I will <laughs> I will be putting some up there. Um, and you can find me, as I said, on Patreon and Facebook at A Conversation for One Podcast. Now, don't forget to give a rating on Apple Podcasts or actually uh, wherever you can give a rating. I don't really know all the sites that you can give a rating. I, I'd really appreciate it. A rating helps boost the podcast and more people find it. And I'd love a review. Uh, and that's not just, uh, it's not just uh, for others to see, but for me as well. Let me know what I'm doing good. Let me know what you like, um, what you're interested in hearing, your favorite parts, that sort of thing. And if you haven't already, make sure to click on subscribe as well for all future episodes. Trust me, they're not all typically on football. In fact, this is the first and only as, as we're speaking here. Um, but until then, next time, folks, uh, be excellent to each other. Stay rad as always. And uh, Tyler out. And now, folks, it's time to say goodnight. We sincerely appreciate your patronage and hope we've succeeded in bringing you an enjoyable evening of entertainment. Please drive home carefully and come back again soon. Good night. Logos are a bit of a story for both these teams. Um, In addition to the new one the Baltimore CFLers have, uh, looking very much to me like a spirited young horse, uh, the name of which we're prohibited by court injunction from giving you. The uh, Toronto Argonauts, one of the most storied franchises amongst established CFL teams, also have a new logo. It's really uh, a stylized version of the one they had several years ago. It's worth looking at because it does not appear on their helmets, as you can see. Only the letter A does. Didn't have time to get it on this year, but uh, it should be on in years to come, Don.